0: Thank you, uh, Casey, for leading the service to this point. So, I would like to read two verses over again from which Casey had read, because they will serve as a, as a text of sorts, our entry point into the passage that was read. So, um, Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. So, um, the, the text is Paul's prayer. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The message I wish to bring this evening has this title What Do You Imagine? Of course, I speak these words to you, Winston. What do you imagine? Because you're entering into a new phase of life, a a new pastoral responsibility with different dimensions, so what do you imagine going forward? But the Apostle Paul is inviting us all into this new possibility, And, and what do you imagine? that it may be the substance of your prayers, and that it may be more, even. What do you imagine, for Streetlight in particular, in in the future, what would be the best-case scenario in your thinking, in your mind, for this new fledgling church? God has already brought us farther than I could have ever imagined four or five years ago. God has blessed us incredibly. In the recent past, Streetlight has been able to ordain elders within its own uh, community in order to form part of the Blessings Church Council, but... They rose up from Streetlight, installed, ordained in Streetlight. That was awesome. We have joyful worship and a beautiful community. I think we've always had joyful music, worship and a beautiful community, but it just is such a thing to look forward to on Sunday morning, and' such a pleasure to enter into on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. We have we have a new building. Oh, we were so looking forward to having this event in our new building, uh, but our impatience with the building progress process is something that we're just we will look back on this very soon and say why were we so impatient? But yeah, we are not able to enjoy that just yet today. And today we we're enjoying a renewal of ministry at Streetlight through the installation of a second. Pastor at Streetline, so that uh, for the next two months, Winston and I may serve as co-pastors for a while before I uh, retire. So, who could have imagined these things? I certainly, a few years ago, could not have imagined the Lord doing such things for the Streetline Christian Church. It is so surprising to see the the work of God's purpose unfolding in this world. But all our dreams are not fulfilled yet. There are still things that we can imagine for the future. What might they be? We have a vision. Streetlight has a vision. Blessings has a vision. It's the same. To restore this city... To the Creator through the only Restorer, Jesus Christ? Shall we see that? Fulfilled? Can you imagine Hamilton restored to their Creator? What might you imagine for the, the near future or for Streetlight in one year? Maybe Maybe Streetlight will grow and double in size in a year's time. It's possible. Can you imagine that? Maybe. Maybe we're gonna see Streetlight occupy a front roll place, or or together with other faithful churches in in, in Hamilton especially in the downtown region, maybe we, we together are going to see great advances in social justice, housing for the homeless. We're facing crises and troubles in our parks because of homelessness, because we're just not satisfying, fulfilling those problems. Or perhaps we're going to see, you know, real progress in developing a landing place for refugees coming into Canada. There's such a crying need. For us to do that. Perhaps, oh, this is a dream I have. This is something that I imagine maybe we'll have enough bus drivers for all the events that we run, and and we're not going to tire out the drivers we do have. Yeah, we, we can imagine so many things. Not all the things that we imagine are necessarily the best. The Apostle Paul once said, this is in Romans chapter 10, he said, he's talking about his countrymen, the Jewish people. He says, they have a zeal for the Lord, but their zeal is not informed as knowledge. Let me read that. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. Uh, The Apostle Paul knows about this because he once was one of those people he was zealous for the glory of God, but his knowledge, sorry, but his zeal was not informed with accurate knowledge. In fact, his zeal for the Lord was informed by a, a terrible disinformation. He didn't know Jesus Christ, and therefore he was without hope, and he thought he was serving God, but he was without God. God wasn't with him in pursuing the things he was so zealous about, in pursuing the dreams he had, the things he imagined accomplishing. He was zealous for God, but he hated Jesus. You know that about the Apostle Paul, right? Before he was, before Jesus met him, confronted him on the road to Damascus. Before that time, he was known as Saul, a Pharisee who dedicated his life to arresting Christians and eradicating the name of Jesus, if possible. Because he hated Jesus. And he loved God. If you can imagine that. But one day, his life was flipped on end and everything Sorry, and the very thing he despised with all his powers, he came to value higher than anything else. Higher than anything else. He wrote to, to the Philippians, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And when I preach, I've decided, I'm going to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the only thing that mattered now to him. The thing he despised more than anything else, he came to cherish higher than anything else. He could never have imagined such a thing. And the things that he used to prize higher than anything else, he now described, he uses a Greek word, to describe those things he used to hold in such high esteem. His birth uh, heritage, his accomplishments, according to Pharisaic principles of the law, and, and all kinds of accomplishments that he had made for himself that he believed would impress God. He said about them, and also in the letter to the Philippians, he says, I regard these things as skubala. Oh, sorry, that's a Greek word. I can't help it. it the, the word skubala means manure, the stuff you shovel in a chicken barn or any other animal barn, I regard these things as garbage, as scrupula, because the things he could not have imagined had happened to him. Everything he cherished, he now despised, and the thing he despised He now cherished more than anything else. God did immeasurably more than Paul could ever have imagined. The Apostle Paul was a man driven by goals. He had things he wanted to accomplish in this world, and he drove himself to make it happen. He had set himself as a goal, as I mentioned earlier, to eradicate the name of Jesus before he met Jesus. He thought he was doing amazing things. He was accomplishing so much. He was making an impact in this world. But when he met Jesus Christ, he discovered a power source that made him effective beyond every measure. And that power was the love of God. The love of God possessed him when he encountered Jesus Christ, and it drove him to accomplish. Amazing things. He never imagined that he would do such things, and he never imagined that he could accomplish so much in his life. One human being able to do so much because he was driven by the love of God. And the Apostle Paul, in this letter to the, to the Ephesians, he is, he is just he's spellbound. By the love of God. Beginning in chapter 2, he begins to talk about the love of God that changes everything. And what he wanted to say was, I love God and I praise him, but he, he, he kept on trying to say, I love God, I want to praise him, but he kept on saying, I'm going to talk about that later. Right now, I just, I can't help. I want to tell you about God's love. I want to tell you how much God loves you. I want to tell you what Jesus did for us in order to define what love is and to define that love that breaks all measures. And so he begins to talk about the, the love of God, in, in, in chapter 2, verse 13, uh, he, he, he says there, in chapter 2, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, you have, uh, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the incredible transformation of our understanding of the relationship of God to the world, that uh, Jesus Christ brought into effect. Paul used to think, and that's what used to drive him, he used to think that the only people that God cared about was the Jewish people. God made a covenant with Abraham and with his his offspring, with his children. But the apostle Paul discovered that God has broken down the barriers, the walls that separated Jewish people from the rest of the world. God has broken down the barrier that separated them and he's brought them together, creating them to be one new humanity in the body of Christ, which is the church. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the only place where human beings can come together and work harmoniously and never fail. And Paul is just so amazed. It's not just that we find harmony here, but we find salvation. We find hope. We find a future. We find forgiveness and peace in our conscience. We find all the riches that the human heart longs for. And it's not just for Jews. It's for all people. And then Paul in in chapter three, verse one, he says, For this reason, so he's already talked about the love of God which has transformed the world, breaking down the barriers between Jewish people and and Gentiles. And he says in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then you have you have a dash, which in our NIV, and it says, assuming that you have heard about the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, and then Paul goes on, because he can't help it. He wants to talk about worship, but he can't help it. He can't stop himself from talking about the things that God has done for us because of his love for us. And so he he falls to talking about how God unites and heals and restores the world to the creator in chapter 3. Verse 2 through 13. And finally, into verse 14, chapter 3, verse 14. He says, for this reason, finally he's getting back to his point. If you complain about preachers that can't stick to the point, you, should, you would complain a lot about Paul because he can't stick to his point. <laughs> he, he keeps on putting it off because he's so gripped by the, by the love of Jesus Christ. This is in verse 13, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Because the love that God has shown to us, I just worship Him. I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named. It turns out that God cares about everybody. God cares about all the nations, all the tribes, all the fam- all the language groups. Every family derives its name from him. Because they all come from God, and God cares about them all. And I pray This is what the apostle does here. I pray that you may be filled with this love that I've just been talking about endlessly. The apostle Paul says. I've just been talking about this love. I pray that you might be filled with this love because it's rocket fuel. It'll it'll propel you farther than you had ever imagined to places you never thought of to accomplish the things that you imagine doing and beyond. That's the love of God. So that you will do, by this power, when you know Jesus Christ and you're possessed by this love, you will do immeasurably more than you had ever thought or imagined. Streetlight today is receiving a pastor. And when I say pastor, uh, then, okay, I call him a pastor because that means he's taking care of the sheep and that means personal relationships. But what you're actually receiving, what Streetlight Church is receiving is not just a person who has the responsibility To take care of you, to visit you, to comfort you, to instruct you, to warn you. Yes, he has these responsibilities. And more, to write reports and to go to meetings and to, I don't know, lead out a Bible study. We'll have to figure that one out. Uh, Whatever, there's so many duties that this new pastor for Streetlight is going to receive. The traditional description of a minister is is a minister of the word, a person who proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. Among all the duties that Streetlight's new pastor is going to be fulfilling, among all the duties, The premier one, the number one responsibility is to talk about Jesus Christ, is to communicate God's love that the Apostle Paul is so gripped by here. This new pastor, just like the old pastor, He's still sticking with us for a little while yet. But this new pastor, just like the old pastor, has not gone through the kind of experience the Apostle Paul did. His world has not been turned upside down in the same way. Although Pastor Bosch does say that he loves the Lord, believes in him, so he is born again. That's a, a big enough transformation and, and, and tra- transformation of his life. But he's not, he's not had his world lifted up in mid-career the way the Apostle Paul did and had it turned upside down. So that all the things he once cherished, he now despises. And the thing he despised more than anything else, he now cherishes. That did not happen to me. It didn't happen to him. Right? <laughs> And nevertheless, his love and desire is to tell you with the same commitment, to tell you about what God is doing in this world through Jesus Christ, and to spread the glory of his name, he will speak to you about the love of God. He'll do it in his first sermon, and then his second, and then his third, and then all the sermons that come after it. There is no other foundation for preaching ministry. And this is what makes the preaching of the gospel the most beautiful responsibility and task on earth. Because he will promote a love that is too beautiful to measure, too beautiful to measure. In the attempt to describe it and define the love of God, we try to do it. The Apostle Paul tried to do it, and every time he he he, he found that he didn't quite say enough. There's more that he could say. You can't define. You can't adequately describe and say this is how we describe the love of God because there's always more. It it breaks out. It's more than anything we could say because it defies every measure. It's more. It defies every measure to describe it or define it, but it also, and this is the best part of it, it defies every measure to experience. We like to think that we need to define it in order to make it our own. But you have to experience it. Because then it does become your own. To experience the love of God is the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts and filling us with God's love until we reach the full stature of Of the fullness of God. We human beings can, have, can aspire to be filled like God. And the preacher is able to make serious progress in making that happen. Because he preaches Jesus Christ. He preaches the love of God. And the Holy Spirit not only helps us to know Jesus and begin to understand some of his dimensions intellectually, which is really important, but he enables us to experience God's love. To fill us with a sense of wonder. I am loved by God. And the Holy Spirit has used that preacher in that church in order to bring me to this point where this becomes like rocket fuel to enable me and us together to do great things, to accomplish things that we are planning, to accomplish more than we plan to accomplish, more than we have ever dared to imagine. And so please go ahead. Go on imagining the future for faithful churches here in the downtown Hamilton region. You can play. You and the church where you worship, you can play an important role in making it happen. Let your imagination, however, be shaped by the love of God as you hear it proclaimed from Sunday to Sunday. And see what God may accomplish through such humble means as us. Amen.